Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Monday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and we have another exciting episode for you today. We have multiple Iowa Hawkeyes who have declared for the NFL draft. That is Dane Belton and Kyler Schott. We're going to break down those decisions, why they were good, why maybe they could have come back, and what it means for the Iowa Hawkeyes. We're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be breaking down the Iowa women's basketball squad, what is going on with this team, and also the Iowa wrestling squad taking down two ranked teams this past weekend and why Iowa might have found the heir to Spencer Lee. That is all coming up on today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. But first, I want to thank you all for making the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find us wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Lockdown Hawkeyes. And this episode is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc. The premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. Now, let's get into it with the transfers and, and with the, the, the decisions to go to the NFL. Uh, first, I want to cover Deuce Hogan and the fact that Deuce Hogan has officially transferred to Kentucky to walk on, not as a scholarship quarterback, to walk on as a quarterback to the University of Kentucky. Very interesting decision by Deuce. I really felt like he was probably going to go to a Texas school, given the fact that his girlfriend currently still resides in Texas. But nevertheless, Deuce Hogan going to Kentucky. But let's get into the more important news of the day, and that is Dane Belton, Iowa's all-Big Ten defensive back, Dane Belton, a true junior, has officially declared for the NFL draft. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, why would he declare? And we're going to give you both sides of this. He's not listed on the draft network's eligible players because they clearly were not expecting him to declare. But after leading the Big Ten in interceptions, after showing his versatility over the last three seasons in a relatively difficult, you know, complex defense, he has done a phenomenal job and is ready to take the next step. Now, there are three main things that I think are going to be really important for Dane Belton as he tries to sell himself to NFL teams, or at least as he kind of sells himself on the decision to go to the NFL. It starts with the pedigree. When you look at the Iowa Hawkeyes and you look at that position in particular, Amani Hooker was the guy who kind of revolutionized that cash position for the Iowa Hawkeye football team. And he put together a defensive back of the year type of season for the Iowa Hawkeyes. What's important to note is the reason why they wanted to move Amani Hooker into that cash position is two things. A, or one, they wanted to get Geno Stone on the field because Geno Stone was a stud and deserved to be back playing safety in that secondary. As Phil Parker always says, he wants his best players on the field at all times, especially in that secondary. The other piece was Monty Hooker had the versatility to play cornerback and safety and that inside, uh, that uh, outside linebacker role that Iowa needed to fill with that one position. So a lot of versatility there. Amani Hooker goes to the NFL draft. A lot of people weren't expecting him to declare for the NFL draft, but he puts together an amazing season. And now he is a starter for the Tennessee Titans and doing a really, really outstanding job 
for the Tennessee Titans. Geno Stone, the next guy in that safety group to kind of take the next step for the Iowa Hawkeyes, put together a fantastic season with a lot of great instincts. Unfortunately for Geno Stone, he doesn't test well, and he drops to the very end of the draft on day three, gets picked up by the Baltimore Ravens, bounces around a little bit, but he's starting to hit his stride with the Baltimore Ravens. The last seven weeks, he has seen his playing time increase dramatically on defense. Now, if you're Dane Belton and you see these two former safeties declare early and find success at some point early on in their career, you have to feel solid about where you're going to go as well. Now, to top that off, I do believe Dane Belton could test as well as a money hooker, if not better, and definitely better than Geno Stone. Dane Belton is a very, very sound athlete. And when you're looking at today's NFL, you're looking for guys who are not only good athletes, but guys who can play a variety of positions. Dane Belton has a significant amount of experience in rush defense. He has a significant amount of experience covering fast and quick wide receivers as he has had to operate out of the slot pretty much predominantly in his Iowa career, but he's also shown the versatility to be able to slip backwards. And when Iowa has moved to a 4-3, he has been able to play that deep safety spot that came on Merriweather plays. So it gives you some, some really good versatility for what Dane Belton can bring to an NFL team. Now I'm going to give you some stats as to why Dane Belton is ready for this next step. He is the 57th highest graded coverage guy, according to PFF, with 150 coverage snaps. That includes cornerbacks, linebackers, whoever has covered a guy for at least 150 times, Dane Belton is 57th. That's pretty solid company considering he's not a full-time cornerback. He's also the 25th highest graded safety in terms of coverage with 150 coverage snaps. He's the 14th highest graded safety in terms of NFL passer rating allowed out of the slot. So one of the things you have to consider from a defensive back perspective, cornerbacks on the boundaries are a little bit in a better prime position to guard their wide receivers or to cover their wide receivers because they can use the boundary as another defender. In the slot, there's a little bit more opportunity to go any direction you want, which makes it more difficult on the defender. And the fact that Dane Belton was playing that as a safety was pretty impressive and allowing a very low NFL passer rating of 60 is pretty darn impressive. Going more in detail here, 21st in yards per snap allowed out of the slot. Dane Belton played a lot of snaps in the slot and still managed to come out 21st in yards per snap. Now, he's not as good in the rush defense department, uh, just in the top 200, so not exactly impressive, but he did have 423 rush defensive snaps, which does show you that versatility and his willingness to get up into the run game and attack that. And again, when you see what the Tennessee Titans have done with the Monty Hooker, they can play him in a lot of different spots. Dane Belton is going to find a spot in the NFL. Now, what's going to be interesting is how quickly can the NFL guys catch on? Because as of right now, no one is really completely sure from at least from a media perspective of who Dane Belton is and what he can bring to an NFL team. So that'll be really interesting to figure out as we kind of get more into the process for him. Testing is going to be huge, but once teams go back and look at the tape, they're going to see a lot of really impressive things from Dane Belton's tape. Now the question is who replaces Dane Belton? Chad Lysico the other day put out his predictions for a depth chart. He had Riley Moss as the uh, cash position there. I don't necessarily agree with that 
Now I could see, you know, there, there's a there's a possibility you put Riley Moss there if you want to give um, him an opportunity to cover guys out of the slot again, showing some more of that versatility. But I think it had to be kind of a Riley Moss pushed decision. Um, I think when you look at what I was bringing in from the defensive back perspective, you have a few guys who can fit that kind of cash position maybe a little bit better. Now, I know Riley Moss was always kind of projected as a safety, but he has shown he can play corner. So I can see it there. But I also think you have to consider Sebastian Castro and also Cooper DeGene at that cash position. Sebastian Castro has backed up Dane Belton before. He has played that safety spot. He has shown the ability to hit some guys. Now, I would like to see Sebastian more as a deep safety, but I think Sebastian Castro could do that. He has played cornerback a little bit this season, got a few snaps there. And Cooper DeGene is another guy to watch out for as well. Cooper DeGene showing that versatility. We all kind of projected him as a safety initially coming out of high school, but got some snaps at cornerback for Iowa. If there is not room for him, if he does not, and is not able to bait, beat out Jamari Harris and Terry Roberts or Jamari Harris and Riley Moss or Terry Roberts and Riley Moss, um, kind of Riley if he goes over to the cash. There's a spot there for Cooper DeGene. Now, again, the most important thing to remember about this is Iowa wants to play their best people. Now, that sounds obvious, but it's not so easy. Look at Justin Jacobs. Justin Jacobs is a phenomenal player. He'd be a starting linebacker on almost any Big Ten team in the conference. But Justin Jacobs doesn't get to start necessarily because Iowa already has two fantastic linebackers. But Phil Parker did a good job of trying to figure out how to get Justin Jacobs involved in the game. The same thing goes for the secondary. He's going to find the best five guys to play those roles. And those guys all have a quite a bit of positional flexibility and versatility. So it gives him some options to toy with. But that is that's the that's the scoop there on Dane Belton. Dane Belton declares for the NFL draft. I think he's going to be a fantastic NFL player. It's just a matter of teams catching on to what he can do. Um, obviously, he's done a great job of showing his versatility and how strong he is at coverage at the college level. Um, and as far as Iowa goes, they have options to replace him. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about Kyler Schott. Kyler Schott also declaring for the NFL draft. A bit surprising to me, maybe not as surprising to some, but we're going to cover that here in a few short moments. But first, it is the new year, which means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthy, make sure you include Built Bar into your plan. Built Bar is the phenomenal tasting protein bar that tastes better than a candy bar and has significantly better nutrition than a candy bar. It's the protein bar that you need to grab to get your New Year's resolutions on track today. All these bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and most of these bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein, and compare that to a candy bar of 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen of net carbs. Why wouldn't you grab yourself a Built Bar today? Again, as you're making those New Year's resolutions, trying to stick to them, trying to get healthy, grab yourself a Built Bar today. And we have a phenomenal special time offer for you all today. Even if you bought Built Bar before, you can still go to Built.com. That's B-U-I-L-T.com. And use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at Built.com. And again, thank you for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. So we covered one Iowa Hawkeye who has declared for the NFL draft. That is Dane Belton. We must now talk about Kyler Schott. Kyler Schott, the former walk-on offensive guard, long-haired guy who has really... Uh, 
kind of built up a nice little fan following of Iowa Hawkeye faithful uh, just because of his story. The guy who also got injured before the season began by jumping off after bailing hay. It's just it's a, quite an interesting story for Kyler Schott. Now, Kyler Schott declares for the NFL draft, and I look at it in kind of a couple different ways. First, I did not expect Kyler Schott to declare for the NFL draft simply because I did not think he was that effective this year. He battled back through injury, was not getting a lot of playing time as he trying to, tried to get back into conditioning and game shape, but he struggled quite a bit in pass blocking. Now, run blocking, he did a fantastic job. In fact, so good, he was 20th among all offensive linemen and rush blocking with more than 150 snaps. However, again, pass blocking for just the guards, he was 218th. That is not going to get it done at the next level. But Kyler Schott is a guy who could be a scheme fit. I think Kyler Schott is a guy who might get selected end of day three, seventh round, but more than likely is going to be a guy who gets brought in into camp as a UDFA and likely wins a spot on the active roster or at least gets onto the practice squad. That's kind of Kyler Schott's trajectory. But again, it kind of goes down to the right fit, maybe like a San Francisco, a very run-dominant team, where when they do pass, it is with a lot of different commotion and a lot of different pre-snap movement that gives your quarterback a bit more uh, easier reads and also a bit more protection. Maybe something like that. I could see that at San Francisco. Um, that is That would honestly be a good fit for him. But it's kind of interesting for him, again, to declare at this point, given the fact that he did have an extra year of eligibility due to COVID um, last year. Now, again, draft stock. Going to be probably end of day three, a UDFA. Um, I don't expect him to test particularly well, to be completely honest. Uh, strength numbers-wise, going to be good. But size-wise, maybe not as as good as you would like to see. But again, Iowa offensive linemen, especially those interior guys, are going to get opportunities to play at the next level, at least in camp, potentially as a UDFA. Now, what does this mean, though, for next year's starting offensive line? Well, we can't exactly project that out, though, because we don't know what's happening with Tyler Linderbaum. The longer he stays quiet, the more you have to get a little bit more confident that maybe Tyler Linderbaum is actually coming back to the Iowa Hawkeyes. But until that actually happens, we have to expect that he's not. And without Kyler Schott, it does reduce some of the depth that Iowa has at that guard position. So here's a quick look at next year's potential starting offensive line. Mason Richmond at the left tackle spot. Cody Ince and Justin Britt at the guards. Michael Mislinski. Michael Mislinski at the center spot, and Connor Colby at the tackle spot. Now, there's a couple other guys to watch out for at all these all these positions. Now, it is interesting. Michael Mislinski has been kind of groomed to be the center for Iowa. However, Matt Fagan has been the guy behind Tyler Linderbaum to this point. So unless Michael Mislinski can take a very significant step, I expect Matt Fagan to be the guy if Tyler Linderbaum declares. At the guard spot, we have a quite, a, quite an interesting battle because at this point, we have seen four guys take a lot of snaps this past year. It was Cody Ince, it was Justin Britt, it was Connor Colby, and it was obviously Kyler Schott. Kyler Schott is out of the picture. Justin Britt is always dealing with injuries. He just can't seem to shake that injury bug. Connor Colby projected more as a tackle coming into his collegiate career, and then Cody Ince had a very, very up-and-down season. So Iowa can do quite a few things here. It's important to note, that whatever I project right now is more than likely not going to be 100% accurate as Iowa is going to mix and match quite a few guys. And there are some interesting things kind of happening here. Not only is Iowa unsure if Tyler Linderbaum is returning, which would be a huge impact to this offensive line, 
but they're also in the running for Hunter Norzad, the Cornell transfer who could play center, guard, or tackle. So giving Iowa a lot of positional flexibility. But if I had to make a guess, an educated guess right now, I would project Mason Richmond at the left tackle spot. I would project both guard spots to be taken up by Cody Ince and Justin Britt, Michael Maslinski at the center spot, and Connor Colby at that right tackle spot. Another variability that I could see here is Mason Richmond at the left tackle spot, Cody Ince and Justin Britt alternating at one of the guard spots, Connor Colby at the other guard, a Matt Fagan at center, and either a David Davikoff or a Tyler Ellsbury at that right tackle spot. Another name to watch out for is Bo Stevens, a former highly touted recruit on the interior. He could also be pushing for playing time at the guard spot. But the point is, Iowa's offensive line is going to be a bit younger. Anytime you lose a senior like Kyler Schott, potentially a junior like a Tyler Linderbaum, that leaves you pretty young for the entire offensive line. And as we saw this past year, this offensive line is not up to par yet. And we have so many young guys, there's going to be some growing pains even going into next year. So that's something to watch out for. We definitely, as we look at the quarterback position, we need to factor in the offensive line and whether or not they're going to be able to take that next step. You hope that on the tackle spot, if you can either get solid tackle play out of David Davikoff or Connor Colby or a Hunter Norzab. Again, I know I'm not talking a lot about Jack Plum uh, or you know even Nick DeYoung, but I, I just don't see them being the guys there at this point. So to me, it's really coming down to a Mason Richmond, a Connor Colby, and a David Davikoff at those tackle spots. The guard spots, Cody Ince, Justin Britt, a Bo Stevens even, or a Connor Colby. And that center spot, Michael Maslinski, Matt Fagan, or potentially a Tyler Ellsbury who was taking snaps at that center position early on. So Kyler Schott leaving does reduce the depth. It does hurt the strength of this offensive line. Kyler Schott, I would be surprised if he gets drafted in the NFL draft. My guess is, again, a UDFA going to a run-heavy scheme where you can kind of utilize his skill set, um, a little bit more quicker scheme like a, a San Francisco where they do that zone running concepts um, under Kyle Shanahan. Uh, that's kind of my ex expectation there. Um, and the biggest news we're going to be waiting on now is Tyler Linderbaum. Is Tyler Linderbaum coming back or is he declaring? As we get more information on that, we'll make sure to keep you posted right here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. But first, hey, y'all, this is your host, Andrew Wade, with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It is called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code SCORE, that's S-C-O-R-E, and you'll get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price to pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code SCORE, that's S-C-O-R-E, to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there is literally no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account, and you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or even an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app today and use the promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That is code SCORE to get big savings whenever you fill up at the pump. All right, y'all, we've talked about Dane Belton. We've talked about Kyler Schott. As we get more news about guys declaring or not declaring, like a Jack Campbell, like a Tyler Linderbaum, we'll make sure to keep you posted right here on the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. Those are the two main guys we are 
waiting anxiously on at this point. I expect no other declarations. Uh, Jack Kerner has already declared. Riley Moss has come back. Tyler Shot gone. Dane Belton gone. Um, so Tyler Goodson already gone. Ivory Kelly Martin already gone. Uh, also Sam Laporta. So basically it's Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, um, and Tyler Linderbaum. Those are the three guys. As we get more information on that, we'll make sure to break it all down right here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast and give you some kind of depth chart previews as we get that information coming out. I do want to make sure we talk about the Iowa wrestling team and the Iowa women's basketball squad. The wrestling team taking care of business this week against two Top-ranked teams, Minnesota number 13th in the nation and Purdue number 18th in the nation, beating Minnesota 22-10. to 10. Uh, The only b- losses here were Tony Cassiope losing to Gable Stevenson, which was expected. Also, for those of you upset about the cheering for Gable Stevenson, I, I would highly recommend you kind of check out Gable's story and kind of how he got his name and the fact that I think it's pretty cool, honestly, in my opinion, that Iowa fans can just respect greatness like Gable Stevenson. Uh, it would be similar to Spencer Lee kind of getting a standing ovation for being just so freaking dominant at that 125 pound. Caleb Young also was defeated at 157. Minnesota, again, getting beat 22-10. to 10. Uh, The other loss in that match was Drake Ayala, who has been getting the starts for this Iowa wrestling team in the absence of a Spencer Lee, who has uh, been ruled out for the rest of the season. Drake Ayala fell to Minnesota's Pat McKee, um, who is also ranked, but he stormed back against Purdue to beat number five ranked Devin Schroeder in this past or yesterday's matchup in Purdue, which Iowa absolutely dominated, uh, only allowing four points in that matchup. Uh, again, the only loss being at 133, Jesse Ibarra losing at 133 in replacement of Austin Asanto, who was unable to go. Uh, Chem Dog and Alice Marinelli took the mat, and they looked freaking good doing quick work on, on their guys, uh, Tech following both their guys. The biggest story, though, again, is, is coming out of this is, is that 125-pound weight. And what is Iowa going to do without Spencer Lee? And you have to feel pretty good about where they are with Drake Ayala at this point. Now, Brands has talked a lot about trying to kind of tempering the expectations, uh, you know, saying the right things about who's going to be wrestling there, saying it's kind of a battle at this point. We could see a couple different guys. But Drake Ayala is kind of the guy that we're all expecting to be there, and he's showing that he can wrestle some of the top wrestlers in the nation. And now, obviously, he's not at that level of Spencer Lee, and it's tough to ever reach that pinnacle of what Spencer Lee has reached. But you have to be pretty impressed with how Drake Ayala has performed to this point. He's not getting just absolutely dominated he's not getting absolutely embarrassed he's showing up in these big time matchups which makes you feel like Iowa still has a shot at the medal rounds at that 125 pound weight and when you look at Spencer Lee's history he it wasn't perfect it was pretty darn good but two losses uh in his first season three losses as a sophomore um hasn't lost since his sophomore season but Spencer Lee coming back to win the national championship those two seasons could Drake Ayala continue to carry that legacy. That would be quite an interesting and fun story to watch as Spencer Lee recovers from his double ACL tear surgery, Drake Ayala taking over at that 125 pound weight. As Iowa continues to wrestle more matches, we'll make sure to keep you posted on what is going on. The biggest question mark is 125. What can Iowa do there? Um, that is that is going to be the big thing. 149, 157 have also been some some interesting question marks too. Uh, and as we get more information on all that, and as we see more wrestling matches, we'll make sure to cover all that right here. Now, turning our attention to the women's basketball team, falling last week to Northwestern, uh, a game they really couldn't lose, uh, coming off kind of an interesting break there. 
you have to wonder what's going on with this women's basketball team, but then they go and take care of business against Nebraska, who had only had one loss to this point on the road yesterday, taking down Nebraska 95-86. to This women's basketball team still has a lot of basketball in front of it. Maybe that loss to Northwestern was exactly what they needed to kind of have that adversity and to learn how to battle back from that to get some wins. But one of the more interesting things I've looked at from this women's basketball team about why they are struggling, in those games they have lost, Caitlin Clark has been absolutely terrible from three. Now, I'm not saying Caitlin Clark is terrible. I'm saying she was terrible shooting the three ball in those games. And on the season, she's shooting 23.9% compared to nearly 40 or to 40.6% last season. That is not exactly what you expect from Caitlin Clark. Now, she's going to pick it up. The odds are she's going to continue to get better shooting the three. Um, she's kind of struggling there a little bit. But when you look at everything else, she's she's decreased her turnovers by over one a game. Uh, she's increased her two-point percentage. But three-point shooting has been the downfall for Caitlin Clark. And in some of these games, arguably, if she hit at 40% clip, they would win. Against North- Northwestern, Caitlin Clark, one of eight from three. Against IUPUI, one of seven from three. Against Duke, one of 13 from three. Against Iowa State, a little bit better, four of 12, shooting 33%. But you look at those games, and save for Duke, where they kind of just got blown out there, they beat Northwestern or IUPUI if Caitlin Clark hits a couple more threes and hits her normal, you know, 40-ish percent three-point shot uh, percentage. Don't know why I was struggling with that word there. So, again, and even against Nebraska, I mean, this this team has just been up and down. Um I don't know if we set our expectations too high coming into the season. I don't know if it was, if we're really seeing a drastic impact from the fact that COVID kind of derailed part of their season, kind of derailed the consistency and the flow of their season. Defensively, they have improved a little bit, but it really comes down to shooting. They've struggled shooting the ball up until this point against Nebraska. They kind of got it figured out a bit more, shot 60% from the field, but they got out rebounded 41 to 34. They had six more turnovers in that game. So still not a very good game against Nebraska, but thankfully their shot was falling. Their shot is not always going to be falling in these games though. So it'll be interesting to see, is this the turnaround point for this women's basketball squad? They finally got that nice win on the road against a a solid high quality team. Can they pick it up and start carrying that momentum into the big 10 conference uh, schedule after losing to Northwestern? Can they figure it out? They only have one conference loss, so they're not in a bad spot yet. But the Big Ten Conference is a very tough conference, and they need to get the W's quickly for this women's basketball squad. That's it for today's show, though. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about the men's basketball team after an interesting loss against Wisconsin. What can this team do to pick it back up? And what is going wrong with this men's basketball team? Do they have what it takes to make an NCAA tournament? We're going to be covering that on tomorrow's show. We're also going to be giving you some more insight into recruiting Iowa hot on the trails of a former four-star late or a form a current four-star former legacy uh tight end recruit who decommitted from Florida. We're going to be talking about Mac Markway. Also, Iowa is in the market for a transfer defensive end. This sounds familiar with some Zach and Valkenberg talk, right? We're going to be talking about that. And why was Iowa looking at a Minnesota running back to transfer to the Hawks? We're going to be talking about all of that on tomorrow's show. And if any news breaks over the next 24 hours, we'll be covering that as well. That does do it for our show today, though. Just a reminder, if you want to know how to bet on any action today, check out the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They do a great job of breaking down three to four games every single day, so you can put a little money in your pocket when you go to betonline.ag, place your money there, place on those games, 
and win some money back. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, though. Have a fantastic Monday, and as always, Hawkeye Nation, let's go Hawks.